Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Tamara Thomas, editor in chief of UrbanHealthToday.com, part of the DocWire family of medical news sites. And I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Tamara Thomas, Editor-in-Chief of Urban Health Today, and I'm speaking with Dr. Lauren Powell, Vice President of U.S. Health Equity and Community Wellness at Takeda Pharmaceutical. She's here to talk about remote area medical and Takeda's partnership to support free pop-up medical clinics across the country, advancing health equity. Thanks for being here with me today, Dr. Powell. Thank you so much for having me, Tamara. Awesome. Let's get started. So can you talk about uh, remote area medical, then about your role at Takeda? Sure. Um, so so excited, one, uh, about joining you today, and two, about my role at Takeda and about this partnership. So first, let me tell you a little bit about RAM. Uh, RAM stands for Remote Area Medical. Um, this is a national nonprofit that uh, serves lots of communities across the country. They provide high quality healthcare across rural and underserved populations where it's needed the most. So they do pop-up health clinics in some of our countries. Um, most impoverished areas, oftentimes in rural areas, sometimes in urban areas. And that means they're providing both um, medical care, dental care as well to folks who would not have access to it otherwise. Um, they do somewhere around 300 of those pop-up health clinics in a year. And so we're so excited to be supporting their activities um, as well as finding ways for our Arcticade employees to, to support their ongoing clinics. And a little bit about myself and my role. Um, I am the Vice President of U.S. Health Equity and Community Wellness at Takeda. I'm actually the first in this role. So it's an inaugural role, not only for Takeda, but kind of very new to the industry as well. Um, it's been an incredible and exciting opportunity for me, really dismantling the roots of oppression um, that keep people and communities from, from wellness and achieving health equity is a core passion of mine. Um, it's also the reason why I chose this as a professional path. And as someone with a, a public health background and having been a former state health official, I'm just excited to bring my, my talents as well as my expertise and, and actual lived experience with this to my role at Takeda. So um, can you talk about why this partnership is of strategic importance? Yes, absolutely. This partnership is, is of um, so much strategic importance to us as Takeda is really working on um, figuring out kind of what is our role to play in advancing health equity. Um, we're not only committed to, to sort of talking about health equity and raising awareness about it as an important topic and, and concept, but 
Um, how do we operationalize our commitment to it? There are things we're doing internally. So ways that we're thinking about how health equity should be um, an intrinsic driver of how we do our business. But then there's also the external impact. And so really wanting to think about how are we actively contributing to ensuring that diverse communities across the country um, are, are receiving the resources that they need, are, are receiving um, the care that they need, and that ultimately we're helping to move the needle on pushing them closer to health equity. Working with RAM um, and supporting the RAM clinics is just a really wonderful way um, and a salient way for us to do those things. And recognizing that we don't need to reinvent the wheel and perhaps create something from scratch ourselves, that there are so many other organizations out here who already have relationships within community, um, lots of communities, and to already know how to solve many of the problems that we're thinking about um, as we talk about health equity. So this was a strategic importance to us and also so excitingly to me, offers us the opportunity to actually embed our employees in helping to um, helping with some of the operations of, of some of these clinics that, that RAM operates. And so it's a, it's a win-win all around, right? We're helping communities, but we're also challenging ourselves um, to step outside of some, sometimes our, our areas of privilege and step into areas where um, we see how inequities are impacting people the most. Can you expand on, uh, you just said that uh, you embed Takeda employees within RAM. Can you expand on that some? Absolutely. So one of the things that I'm most excited about um, outside of supporting the, the operations of these clinics mm -hmm. um, is that we're, we're really challenging ourselves to learn more about health equity as an organization. So we have sort of a learning and development path in ways that we're really wanting to educate our staff um, on, and our employees on what health equity is, what it isn't, the difference between equality versus equity, and the ways in which our decisions and the ways that we do our business have an impact on driving health equity day in and day out. As we extend kind of the learning journey from, from just learning modules and kind of internal learning, we want a part of that learning journey to connect with actual real world um, experience and, and seeing um, the impacts of health inequities up close and personal. Uh, one way we plan on doing that is connecting our uh, health, our employees, our Takeda employees from all over the country, which are located in lots of different places, to volunteer and express volunteerism through uh, the RAM clinics. And so really just taking that learning and development all the way through to on the ground experience where, you know, it's one thing for me to talk about health equity on a PowerPoint slide for you and give you a really sanitized definition. It's another thing for you to actually see how health inequities come to life in our um, of direct impact on individuals every single day through volunteering in a clinic like this. And it expands learning too, I imagine, expands worldview. Absolutely. You know, how you interact with the world. Yeah, and it takes you out of those privileged spaces so that you can look at something else besides your lived existence. That's beautiful. Um, can you talk about how this partnership helps RAM's mission, just in terms of reach, services, supplies, et cetera? Absolutely. Um, so with Takeda support, 
RAM will actually um, be able to increase the capacity of their clinic operations and expand their services into new communities, which we're really excited about. Um, so they, as I mentioned, they do roughly like 300 or so clinics per year, but um, our multi-million dollar uh, grants will really help support some of the infrastructure to ensure that they're able to reach additional um, clinics. And, or, I'm sorry, that their clinics are able to reach additional people um, and sometimes even um, push out into spaces where they have not been yet and in communities they maybe have not connected with yet. Um, and, you know, RAM is really dependent upon private donations of volunteers. So collaborations um, like this are so critical to, to their ability to provide for people living in remote areas um, completely free of charge and with no questions asked. And we know that is such an important um, part, an important foundation of health equity as well. And so let's, let's jump on that. So can you speak about specific challenges people living in remote areas face getting medical and dental care? Absolutely, Tamara. This is such an important point. Thank you for asking about that. You know, I think oftentimes when we think about health equity, we tend to have just an urban perspective that we're only talking about people living in impoverished conditions, maybe within urban cities. And quite frankly, we often add the labels of just black and brown communities just overarchingly to health equity when we when we use the phrase. In reality, right, health equity certainly applies to ensuring that we're creating the conditions for the most marginalized to um, receive the best possible care and the best possible health outcomes um, that, that are available. But it also means that, that it has implications for all of us, right? One of the areas we really don't think about enough is uh, rural health inequities. We know that rural poverty is very different than urban poverty, that the challenges in rural areas um, may be similar to, to urban areas, but with a, a much different um, level of impact and implication. So transportation, for example, could be a challenge in both an urban area. So maybe there are bus routes and there are trains, but they don't come close enough to your home. Whereas in, in rural areas, transportation like just doesn't exist. Public transportation doesn't exist at all, right? The number of rural hospitals that, are, that have closed in the past few years and the implications for all of that. We could also think about COVID and the implications for um, surviving and thriving during COVID and the challenges specifically within rural communities. So um, we're so excited. And this was actually very intentional, I'll say, as, as I was thinking about ways for us to really step out and um, show our initial commitment and true commitment to health equity. How do we really want to do that? And, and I stepped back and, and really thought about operationalizing our relationships through the lens of ensuring that we are um, starting with the most marginalized in mind. So our first two partnerships were with Xavier University of Louisiana, a historically black college or university located in the deep south, where we know health inequities are um, clustered and, and very significant, um, often tied to the history of slavery and the implications of just health outcomes as a result of that. Um, and then also in a rural area, in, in a, an organization that serves rural patients, because I don't think we talk enough about rural health inequities. And also, I don't think we, we really um, consider how diverse rural areas are, right? They're not monolithic. They're not all white. They don't all go for the same political base, right? They're very diverse. And um, stepping out and really making a strong commitment 
through the lens of health equity, through the lens of ensuring that we are um, upholding the most marginalized and, and those people who have kind of been on the outskirts of, of society unfairly, especially in our healthcare system, was so important um, to me and so important for, I think, the long-term vision of our impact on health equity at Takeda. So part of the partnership, there's a focus on training materials for RAM. Can you talk about that? Yes. What does that look like? Absolutely. So um, as a part of our volunteerism, right, we, we want to have employees step out into communities, sometimes communities they've maybe never been to or um, meeting and coming face to face with, with folks they maybe have never crossed paths. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, one of the most important things to me in preparing for that is that we actually have some cultural humility training, that we actually take some time to prepare our um, employees for, for those experiences and that we don't take for granted um, how those initial interactions can have such a major impact on um, the folks who are coming to receive service and ensuring that they're able to maintain their dignity and that we're respectful to them and that um, ultimately we're providing an experience for them, a positive experience for them. This actually dates back to a project I worked on when I was in graduate school. I actually worked on um, a similar sort of experience in a slightly different setting. Um, I was creating an intervention within black and brown barbershops and using um, healthcare professionals as volunteers in these shops. And we knew that most of the time, you know, perhaps a um, young white male who's in medical school has probably never stepped foot into a black or brown barbershop. So in order to prepare you for um, the culture of those spaces and to ensure that we are not making people uncomfortable in the spaces that are already inherently theirs. Um, I created a culture of humility training and ensuring that we're talking, we were talking about the history of the barbershop and the black barbershop and what it meant to black men and what it meant to brown men as well. Taking that same lens and applying it to this um, particular partnership is kind of the same thing in mind. So we actually want RAM to tell us about some of the communities that they have been in, to tell us about the culture there, to tell us how we should show up to ensure that we are providing the most um, welcoming and inclusive experience for those who are coming to receive care. And so this training, this is for the Takeda employees and the volunteers or mostly the Takeda employees who are going in? That's actually up to RAM. So RAM has the opportunity to create this. We're asking them to create it specifically as a volunteer sort of um, 
orientation, if you will, specifically for for um, our employees to participate, but hopefully it's something, and I think they they may be interested in holding on to it as sort of a core first step for anyone who may want to volunteer for their clinics, and just ensuring that um, we're we're always understanding that there's more to learn when we interact with new people, and that's really the foundation of of that. I wonder. Then do they? then take this information that if you don't have information on that, that's fine. But I, I'm wondering, do they then take this information and what they've learned in their experience, do they then bring that back to Takeda and apply that to their daily activities, their, their work activities? And that is, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. That my, So my thought is that the long-term thinking here was that First, I said, how can I, this was a challenge for me. It's also why I was so excited about the position because it's one thing to talk about health equity in a vacuum or around people, other public health people who get it kind of intrinsically. It's another thing to be in a space with people who understand healthcare, but maybe have never heard of health equity. How do I explain this in a way that articulates the urgency, that articulates how complicated and complex it actually is, um, articulates the way it's connected to other systems of oppression, experiences of racism and other forms of discrimination. And how do I like wrap that, wrap that up in a bow and not get too wordy about it? That's a hard thing to do. So I started as I, as I had all these conversations with people internally, I really started saying, you know, I think this is, I could just show you better than I could tell you. So. The idea is if you have this experience and people remember experiences, they don't remember, you know, PowerPoint presentations and in town halls, they remember experiences. If I could curate an experience that illustrates the social determinants of health, that illustrates health inequities, that illustrates the ways that systems of oppression um, have a deep impact and generational impact, in fact, on health outcomes for people that will stick with you in a very different way than if I tried to give you an academic paper about it. Right. Hopefully then you take that back to the work stream wherever you work in the commercial um, department in R&D and patient access, you take that back and then you have a frame of reference when we're talking about patient X somewhere who may um, access our medications, you have an idea of some of the other barriers and challenges they may be trying to navigate. And now maybe you think about, okay, how can I work with what I have, work with where I am and make this um, an easier situation for this patient because I've seen how inequities actually come to life. I'd be curious to see, this is not really a question, this is a comment, but I'd be curious to see down the line how this affects, um, because you know, clinical trial disparity a lot of black people, a lot of brown people, a lot of native people are largely left out of clinical trials and just not even asked about it. Um, nice. I'd be curious what effect this has down the line on creating more equity in that space. That would be interesting to, to see um, down the line. It's absolutely something I'm thinking about. And, and as you know, this is just the beginning of what we see to be long-term relationships. And, and I always, you know, am thinking very long-term, I think into the future, which is also good, but also backfires sometimes. <laughs> so I, I'm thinking far into the future. And that was one other thing I was thinking about, right? So 
after establishing a strong relationship here and after showing ourselves as a true and trustworthy partner, are there opportunities then to start um, sharing more information just about what clinical trials are with, with some of the folks who come to these clinics? And, you know, it's a very elaborate day, a very elaborate weekend, actually, for these, for these clinics. Thousands of people show up. It's been a lot of time in registration lines and things like that. What would it look like if we made use of that time and actually just started some basic um, understanding and education around what clinical trials are. So not even asking you whether or not you consent to be a part of clinical trials, but just let's talk, have you, have you heard of a clinical research study? Do you know what that is? Let me tell you a little bit about it in case at some point in your care history, it's something you might wanna consider. This is what a placebo is. This is what randomization means. This is what phase one through phase four means. So doing some just very basic education on even just the language and vocabulary we use in clinical research as a foundation for really starting to build up um, our, our very dire need to diversify clinical trials, which not only includes racial and ethnic diversity, but also includes like the need for folks from rural areas, the need for um, folks from lots of different parts of, of the country and lots of different walks of life, including the LGBTQ plus community and, and so much more. Um, can you talk just a little bit about what kind of, so I know that RAM does medical and dental. Do they do women's health uh, and breast cancer screening at all? Yeah, so I'm actually not sure about um, in, in depth how, how deeply they go. I do know that um, in every site they set up, they work very closely with the community already on the ground. So they work closely with like the public health department and maybe um, free and charitable health clinics and really try to showcase the local um, resources that already exist. And I, that's also something I really loved about RAM is that you know, they already see the value in communities that are there and, and see the value of the organizations and communities who have been on the ground um, trying to make things better for, for decades even, right? And so the goal of RAM is just to come in and, and help further amplify those efforts and not to, to totally overshadow the work that so many other community-based organizations have been doing all along. So um, there may be some situations where they, they do offer those types of screenings because of the partnerships they're able to make on the ground in those local communities. Wow. So you talked a little bit about Xavier University. Um, I know that you provide scholarships. Um, does Takeda have any other partnerships in the works with the goal of addressing health equity? Well, it's a great question. You know, we we are um, along our road of getting started, and I think um, there are a start. By the way, oh, thank you, thank you. Um, there are so many other initiatives and so many worthy organizations um, out here. I will say that our we have a, a whole separate arm in our philanthropic giving, and um, our philanthropic giving is also we have pillars that are impacting the social determinants of health around food insecurity and um, around education and around environmental change and environmental justice and sort of climate change there as well. So um, we're constantly evaluating the ways that we can be of most help and um, the ways that we can strategically ensure that we're really working to address inequities broadly across the population. So not just clustered in one part of the country, not just clustered within one demographic, but really how are we um, making our commitment to health equity known across um, the entire country. 
Yeah, that's really important because I speak to so many people and whenever you say diversity, the first thing that pops into their mind is black. And it's like, no, that's not all there is. There's women, there's LGBTQ, we're very marginalized. There's the rural community, as you yes. talked about. There's the, the indigenous community. Mm -hmm. Just such a broad array of people and populations who've largely been outside of the conversation. Yes. Um, so that's, uh, you know, I'm just grateful that you, that you said that and that you, you highlighted that. Thank you. Dr. Lauren Powell of Takeda, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your efforts. And I'm really looking forward to see what other relationships you uh, create down the pipeline. And I'm really excited to see what happens. You know, you planted a seed there as far as the clinical trials becoming more diverse. And I'm really excited about that. So I'm looking forward to seeing and hear more about that in the future. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to join you. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks for listening to Urban Health Weekly today. I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time.